Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's me, Daniel Kay, the host of the Daniel Kay's Let's Plays podcast, the podcast which is the podcast that you're currently listening to. It's the podcast in which I play video games uh, and I make Let's Plays of them and the Let's Plays are in the audio-only kind of format. You know, the ones, those audio-only Let's Plays of which my podcast is the sole proponent. Yeah, those ones. Um, I've got a very special, I have a very special Let's Play to Let's Play today. A very special game. I'm going to kind of uh, push the boundaries of what, what, what a Let's Play can be today. Um... Because I'm sitting here in a swivelly office chair, you can hear it squeak when I lean back, uh, at my mum's place, my mum's house. Uh, and I've gone into the old storeroom, uh, into the old box of kids' toys, and I've, I've pulled out this Rubik's snake. Uh, uh, the dogs might, might come and sort of go woof, 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 or just like jingle, jangle, scratch, scratch, make dog noises. Just ignore them. They're, they're not part of the Let's Play. Yeah, I have a Rubik's Snake here, listeners. I'm going to Let's Play the Rubik's Snake. Um, some of you might be wondering what a Rubik's Snake is. Well, a Rubik's Snake is the bastard half-brother of a Rubik's Cube. Much less well-known, I think. But, uh, yeah, I, I didn't really know what a Rubik's Snake was. Um, and I listen to... I like to listen to this podcast called the It's a Duck Blur podcast or the Duck Blur podcast, whatever, the indefinite article, the definite article, whether it's there or not, I don't know. But the Duck Blur podcast, colon, let's get dangerous these days. But I think when uh, this episode, which I'm about to mention, was released, it was still just a DuckTales podcast and not a Darkwing Duck podcast. So we're going back a tiny little bit. Not too long, but a tiny little bit. Um, Michael from the It's a Duck Blur podcast... Uh, mentioned that uh, he had a Rubik snake in his 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 old room, his old room in his parents' house. And Sarah was like, "What's the Rubik snake? I've never seen this thing before." And he was like, "It's a Rubik snake." And I didn't know what a Rubik snake was. And then I went to uh, my mum's house one morning, and she likes to buy uh, old toys from the op shop, the old opportunity shop, the thrift store for you American listeners, the op shop for everybody else. Um. Because there's a couple little kids in the family and she likes to pick up bargain toys, good on her. And one of them was a Rubik's snake. And I'd never seen one before. All I had heard was the description made by Michael and Sarah on their podcast. I was like, hey, just based on the description, I think this thing might be a Rubik's snake. And listeners, I'm activating the snake currently by turning its joints around. You can hear it. So I'm playing, I'm actually, the actual, the let's play has begun. I'm playing with the Rubik's snake. Ah, it's really cool. I'm having a lot of fun. Wow, it's slightly bent out of shape now. It's like kind of... Ah, in an unnatural kind of bend. Oh, now it has a twist in the body. Wow. Oh, cool. That segment is doing something really cool. So yeah, listeners, I'm just fiddling randomly with the Rubik's snake. Uh, some of you are probably wondering what a Rubik's snake looks like because you can't see the thumbnail because you're listening on iTunes or an iPhone or whatever and uh, goddamn stupid Apple doesn't support my thumbnails. It's got to be, you know, SoundCloud or Android or just follow me on Twitter if you want to see the thumbnails. But if you don't know what a Rubik's snake looks like and you haven't looked it up, allow me to describe it uh, to you right now in absolutely painful detail, excruciating specificity. The Rubik's snake is... Uh, a plastic kid's toy. It's a little over a foot long. It's maybe a foot and a half long. 
Uh, it's quite sort of long and straight, and it's made up of triangular, three-dimensional triangular segments. I say three-dimensional because a triangle is a flat shape, isn't it? It's, it's 2D. It has uh, height and width but no depth. So what is a triangle when it's extruded out into a three-dimensional shape? What's that the name of? I know it's not a pyramid because a pyramid has a point, and these don't really have, like, points except on the, you know, the, the points on the edges. It's got like three flat, uh, f four, five flat faces, five flat sides. You know, what's the name of that? It's, hang on, let me just Google extruded triangle and find the name of it. Extruded triangle. Mm -hmm. A prism? Really? In geometry, a prism is a polyhedron comprising an n-sided polygon base to second base. The smallest case triangular form is called a Schoenhardt polyhedron. A Schoenhardt polyhedron. Okay, so the, the Rubik's snake is a children's toy made up of uh, several, well, several dozen, se several score, some score, conjoined and jointed... Schoenhardt polyhedrons. Schoenhardt polyhedrons? Yeah. Extruded three-dimensional triangles. Um, how many are there specifically? Let's see. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. There are 24 Schoenhardt polyhedrons which make up this Rubik's snake. And the way they're jointed together, listeners, uh, it's really interesting. Uh, it, 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 if you imagine, if you imagine a Toblerone, listeners, uh, and then you imagine a second Toblerone, uh, and you take the second Toblerone and you uh, turn it upside down so that the points of the t Toblerone are now facing into the table which you've got it laying down on, and the flat base of the table, the Toblerone is facing up into the air, pointing at the ceiling, right? And you put the two Toblerones next to each other, one uh, one upside down so the points are on the table, and the other one right side up so the flat base of the Toblerone is on the table and the points are face facing up. And you are sitting down at the table. You have your two Toblerones. The one which is on its flat base is on the on, next to your left hand, and the one which is up on its points, so upside down, is on your right hand. And you take the one on its points in your right hand. You lift it up, and you move it without rotating it in any way. So it's just being moved over until it's it's entirely above the other Toblerone. So that the if you were to, to drop it down now, the two points would sort of bump into each other and it would be two Toblerones with their points meeting. And then you just move it over slightly so that the points of the top Toblerone, which are facing down, uh, they're facing down into the valleys of the bottom Toblerone. And then you just lower down your hand so that the two Toblerones fit together perfectly. That is what the Rubik snake looks like if it was a really long Toblerone, and the triangles were much flatter and more regular than a Toblerone's triangles were, and also the ba the base was broken, so that you could sort of, uh, yeah, you could move each triangle individually from the other, but uh, sort of on the sides of the valleys of the bottom Toblerone and of the uh, sort of slopes of the peaks of the top Toblerone, 
the individual triangular Schoenhardt polyhedrons of the Toblerone are jointed with swivels so that you can really rotate any any uh, any intersection of the two Toblerone triangles. That is what uh, Rubik's Snake is. And uh, half of the triangles are green and half of them are tan. So I think I've adequately described this toy. Um, yeah, you can make all kinds of interesting shapes by, by rotating each joint, each of the... Let's count how many joints there were. There were 24 triangles. How many, how many uh, points of articulation does it have? Let's start over here on the left side of the Rubik snake. So I'm just... I'm twisting around the first, the first Schoenhardt polyhedron now at the joint of the snake. So I'm going to start counting at this first joint between the first top two Schoenhardt polyhedrons. So that's one. And then there's two, and then three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, twenty-two, 23 joints. I guess that makes sense, doesn't it? Like, mathematically, I should have been able to predict that based on how many uh, Schoenhardt polyhedrons there were. Um, but, you know, I'm not the smartest man on the planet. I can't do maths like that. The smartest person, I should say. I imagine there are many successful female mathematicians. I don't even need to imagine it. I know it to be the case. Um, so, yeah, there are 23 different points of articulation on this snake. And the way the Schoenhardt uh, polyhedrons are, um, are sort of proportioned, they fit together really nicely in all kinds of different ways. So the, let's see, so I'm, I'm going to straighten out the snake so it's perfectly straight, all right? I'm now holding it in front of my body in the air, suspended between my two hands. My left hand is up on the top of the snake, my right hand is right down the bottom of the snake, I'm holding it out in front of me. Uh, now I'm going to move my hand so that uh, I'm just looking at the very tip top of the snake. And the very top uh, Schoenhardt polyhedron is a green one. And then the next one next to it is a tan one. Um, so if, you, if we're returning to our, um, our Toblerone uh, analogy, imagine I've taken the Toblerone, the two conjoined Toblerones, which are jammed together on the desk, and I have rotated it so that it, it is arranged vertically. And instead of the base of the bottom Toblerone facing the table and the base of the top Toblerone facing the ceiling, it's now facing either the left or the right wall, depending on where I'm standing. So vertically arranged is this Rubik snake right now. And I've got it so that I'm looking at the top triangle. The top, not triangle, I'm very, very sorry, listeners. The top Schoenhardt polyhedron. Now, um, if I were to... So not the first joint, so between the top polyhedron and the second polyhedron. If I move down to the second joint, between the second polyhedron and the third polyhedron, if I were to rotate the... So I'm now rotating at that joint. So the top two polyhedrons are being rotated around... Here's the first one, 90 degrees. Yeah. Um, and the polyhedrons are proportioned in such a way that... The snake is still... There's no overhang, if you see what I mean. The face... Uh, oh, here's a good way of, of, of saying this. The faces of the polyhedrons, which are joined together by these little swivels, 
they are perfectly square. So you can rotate the square around a quarter at a time and there'll be no overlap because it's like the top side of the square uh, matches up with the top side of the square perfectly. But then also if you rotate the top square around, uh, say, 90 degrees clockwise or counterclockwise, it doesn't matter, both will achieve the same result. That, uh, so that, the say, the top side of the, the top square, uh, square-shaped face of these polyhedrons is now aligned with the side side of the bottom uh, square-shaped face of the second lower polyhedron. Still, the edges are the same distance. There's no overlap. And what that means, listeners, is that it's, it's yeah, it's like a sort of, I don't know, a contiguous shape. There's no ugly, uh, you'd almost call it physical uh, aliasing. Aliasing? You know what anti-aliasing cures in a video game? That sort of jaggedy, jaggedy, you know, ugly rough edges. There's no rough edges to the shape. It's a continuation. Uh, and so that, that that act, I'm just going to undo it, like hit Control z on a computer. I'm going to rotate that second joint around back to how it was. So the snake is now straight. I'm now going to relocate to approximately the center of the snake. And I'm going to perform exactly the same action. So let me just count. Hang on. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10. I'm now at the 10th joint. And I'm going to do... Oh, no. I'll go down to the 11th. Yeah, that makes more sense. I'm going to do exactly the same thing as I did with the second joint then. I'm going to rotate it around so that it is... Uh, the, 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 I'm rotating the snake around so that the top half of it is rotated around 90 degrees counterclockwise. So you ready? I'm going to try and capture this movement uh, in, in, in audio. The Capture the footage of it happening. Ready? Oh, it was actually incredibly silent. And so now what I have is the bottom half of the snake is straight. I can hold it uh, with my two hands uh, in front of me in space. Uh, and then the top half of the snake, which used to also be a continuation of that straight line, it is now bending off to the left, but not flat to the left. It's at a 45-degree angle to the left, and it's also coming slightly towards me in the, what would you call that, the Z-axis. Um, yeah. Because it, it's because these are Schoenhardt polyhedrons, they're triangles, it's kind of coming out into space at a slight angle. It's not like a total right angle, like a flat corner. It's like a kind of a bent corner, even though the squares are aligned perfectly flat, the top half sort of protrudes out towards me at a funny angle. And it's bent at uh, maybe slightly uh, a shallower angle than 45 degrees. Um, oh, no, it'd be like 270 degrees, 275 degrees, not 45 degrees. Uh, oh, actually, I just rotated it around. So, okay, now the top half of the snake is facing out out from me, and it's, it's a slightly shallower angle than 45, or I should say a slightly greater angle than 45 degrees. It's more like, say, 50, 50 degrees, I'd say, that, that angle is, away from me. Yeah, not away from me, uh, sorry. Yeah, you understand, don't you? Anyway, so yeah, so now I think you have a pretty good understanding of the movement of the joints of this Rubik's Snake. Uh, so, what kind of game shall we play with it? Well, listeners, I, I'm sat here on the office chair in front of a computer, and I've just Googled... Oh, well, I've just Googled extruded triangle, but if I hit the back button, 
There we go. I'm back to my first search, which was images of Rubik's snakes. I've just gone to the Google image search. I've typed in Rubik's snake, and it's corrected my spelling because I spelt Rubik's with a C. I spelled R-U-B-I-C-K apostrophe S space S-N-A-K-E. And it's like, hey, nobody, you mean R-U-B-I-K apostrophe S space S-N-A-K-E. So Rubik's has no C in it. It's Rubik's with just a K. In case you wanted to Google search this your own, you wouldn't want to fall into that first embarrassing pitfall that I did. Now I've saved you from that, listeners. Anyway, uh, that's beside the point. The point is that this Google image search, like the third image is of a Rubik's snake, right? The first two images and many, many of the other images which are brought up by this image search, they're of the different shapes geometric patterns and shapes that you can make with a Rubik's snake by bending the different joints at different angles in different patterns. So if I just look at this first image, I click it, it's from Pinterest, so I'm not going to visit the original page because, God damn it, I'm so sick of looking at images from Pinterest and going, oh, cool, let's bring up a larger image of this, this image, and it's like, oh, hey, you're on Pinterest now, make an account, make an account, make an account. We won't let you look at these images properly until you've made an account. And I'm like, oh, I want to see this image here, and I click on it, and it just says, make an account, make an account. Oh, no, no. Um, I'll just go, yeah, view the image. All right, so I've got... Uh, yeah, a grid of all the different shapes which I might make. They look really complicated, and they're uh, they're like computer-assisted design drawings of the shapes of these three-dimensional shapes. They're CAD drawings. They're not real photographs of the actual Rubik's snake. So I I I foresee these shapes being quite difficult for me to replicate because they're slightly abstracted for me. I can't really see what has been done to the snake properly. But nevertheless, we'll try. Uh, the first one is called Nut. That's the first shape. It, it, they've got a blue and a green colored Rubik snake as opposed to the tan and the green one, which I have. Uh, and this snake, this, this, this shape is called Nut. It kind of looks like, uh, imagine an upside down triangle with the points, uh, sort of beveled off. So that it's kind of like, I think Iron Man has a similar shape on his chest. No, Superman. I'm thinking of Superman. Sorry, I confused Iron Man and Superman. Yeah, it's kind of like the the shape of Superman's chest, where inside it's got like an S. Maybe it's kind of Iron Man-ish as well. Um, anyway, so I'm just going to try and, and make my snake this shape. It looks like it's got some weird kind of three-dimensional stuff going on. Oh, hang on. Here we are. Okay, so my first clue, listeners, looking at the photo, is I'm, I'm going to start by looking at the very bottom of this nut shape. And I can see that there are two flat squares uh, on, on, on the bottom-most uh, sort of section of the nut shape. Uh, and because it's not triangles, I know it's that I'm looking at the bottom of the Rubik's snake. I'm not looking at the side of the Rubik's snake. See, this is something I neglected to mention, listeners. As I hold up the Rubik's snake in front of me... Um, it is, let's call it, uh, let's say this snake has a belly and a back and then a left and a right side, all right? So if I put it so that the, the tan-colored uh, polyhedrons, uh, Schoenhardt's polyhedrons, are um, resting on the, on the desk in front of me, like that, and then all the, the green polyhedrons have their backs facing up to the air. So let's pretend that that's the back of the snake and that the, the pale belly is the belly of the snake and the snake also has a left and a right side. 
listeners, the snake is slightly flatter than it is wide. So if I now take this snake and I roll it onto its left side, so like the snake is rolling over, the snake is sort of stretched out in a rigid fashion and is rolling over onto its left side, like I want to get into a more comfortable position to get to sleep because it can't get to goddamn sleep because it's one o'clock and it's got work in the morning. It tries a different position to sleep in instead of sleeping on its belly, rolls onto its left side. The snake is now taller in space than it was before. It would be unable to fit under... Uh, certain obstacles which it would be able to fit under on its stomach, if you see what I mean. And from that, listeners, I'm sure that you can infer that the triangles uh, which make up the pattern on the left and the right-hand side of the snake are uh, shorter than the squares which make up the uh, the back and the belly of the snake are, um, are, are tall or wide or whatever. So from that... Yeah, I, I I guess what I'm saying is, uh, what am I saying? I can I can have the snake arranged so it's either got the triangles facing me or the squares facing me, and that's whether the snake has its either back or belly to me or either of its sides to me. And the snake is kind of different dimensions uh, in space from a two-dimensional perspective than uh, if it was the other way with its back or belly to me. Back or belly? with its back or belly or, or, or its left or light side to me. Um, so looking at this image again of the nut shape, I can see squares facing me. So it's got the snake has its belly facing me at, at that very bottom section of the nut shape. So from then, uh, the, the nut shape is sort of two squares at the bottom, and then uh, the snake's body kind of goes up to the uh, to the right and up to the left from that two squares. And it does so at a kind of angle to me. So I can see both the squares that make up the back or belly and also the triangles which make up the sides. So I'm just going to rotate the... Hang on, let's count them. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, the 12th and 13, 14, the 15th joints of the snake. Rotating it up and up like that. Oh, this is weird. Is this how I'm supposed to have it? Okay. This is something which I didn't see in the... Which I couldn't tell in the 2D, the 2D image. So the left-hand side of the snake now is... Uh, it's sort of... It's extending up and away from me. And the right-hand side of the snake is extending up and towards me. Isn't that interesting, listeners? And so now let's just continue trying to make the snake. So at the so, oh, if I spin this around, ah, oh, that's weird. That doesn't kind of doesn't make sense. Oh no, I see. Ah, oh, I see. Oh, this is going to be hard to describe. What have I just done? Yeah. So I've now rotated the. Um... Let me see, listeners. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. 12, 13, 14, 15. So I'm now going to straighten out the 15th joint. I'm going to go back down to the 14th joint. Is that what this is? Anyway, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to rotate that... Uh, Let's see. 
Yeah, I'm going to rotate that up and away from me. Yeah, I rotated the wrong joint when I tried this first. And so now both the, f the head and the front section of the snake and the tail and the back section of the snake, they're both facing up and away from me. And there's a little section of the snake's belly, which, I, which is like facing me directly. Um, yeah, which is pretty cool. I guess actually now that yeah now that I look at it the snake's belly is up in the air so it's like this the snake is I'm I'm sort of cradling the snake's back in front of me uh, but let's not get caught up in those details uh, the the nut shape I'm looking at the image I can see on either either sort of side of the snake which is facing up and away from me I can see two segments of squares and then the snake takes a turn. So let's see if we can replicate that here in, in real life. Um, oh, yes. Yes, I can. Two segments, and then I rotate around. Oh, this is looking really good. Oh, this is looking amazing. Why does that look bad now? Hang on. What have I done wrong? Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. All right, and now there's two... I'm, I'm very nearly there, listeners. I'm just going to go ahead and, and complete this shape without describing how I'm doing it because it's actually really hard to describe how I'm moving the snake. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, like that. Oh, and then this one, like that. Yes, I've done it. I've completed the shape. Oh, my God. Listeners, I'm going to take a photo. I'm going to take a photo, uh, so let me just pause my recording device. Hang on a second. Okay, there we are, photo taken. Uh, listeners, this has been a radical success story, hasn't it? I have successfully made the first shape on this uh, on, on this little chart of, of shapes it's possible to make with the snake. And it was really a lot easier than I thought it was going to be when I started trying to make the shape. Um, yeah, I can only apologize for having let you down right at that very last hurdle as far as finding the language to describe what I was doing to the snake to make it go into the shape, the nut shape. Um, but I think we can all agree that overall this has been a, a massively successful episode. Uh, I, I'm going to finish up now my playing with the snake. I think I've successfully played with the snake. And uh, so it, it's true to say that I have let's play the Rubik snake. Uh, but I'm going to finish the episode up with a dedication. Uh, a dedication to a man... Uh, without whom this episode would never have happened. So you honestly have him to thank for the half hour which you've just spent listening to this. His name is Cambo the Baker. And Cambo the Baker is a big fan of uh, Michael and Sarah's podcasts. Uh, the It's a Duck Blur podcast. And it's a Duck Blur colon Let's Get Dangerous and probably one or two other of their podcasts like Pop Quiz Hot Shot coming soon. Stay tuned. Everyone listen subscribe to the Pop Quiz Hot Shot the podcast because it's really cool but that's beside the point the point is that cambo the baker um saw a tweet i made about the rubik snake which i found and i think he said hey you should let's play the rubik snake and i was like holy shit what an idea cambo the baker oh my gosh and then i twiddled my thumbs for a couple months and then i finally decided to do it um, <laughs> so everybody get on the Twitter application and find a Cambo the Baker and say, hey, thank you very much, Cambo the Baker, for making Daniel K. Let's play a Rubik's Snake, because I really enjoyed spending half an hour of my life listening to him do that. It was really enjoyable. Uh, and so audience, everybody do that, and then tune in next time I find something else to do 
uh, and also record myself while doing it. Thank you very much for your time, your precious, precious time. Think of everything that you could have been doing in half an hour. Think of every single thing that you could have been doing, every positive change that you could make in half an hour to your life and to the lives of the people around you. And just think of what you've just been doing now, listening to me. Let's play the Rubik's Snake. And I hope, listeners, that you feel good about yourselves because, oh, my God, I feel really good about myself right now. I truly do. Ha, 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 ha. See you next time, everybody. Probably. Bye. I'm going to kill myself, oh, Lord, in me. Honey, kill myself, you wait and see. On a wheel of myself, a little wooden gun to blow my brains out just for fun and kill myself, oh, Lord, in me. I'm going to hang myself, oh, Lord, in me. On you hang myself, you wait and see. Wanna get me this fool so afraid? I hang myself till I'm dead and kill myself, oh Lord, in me.